And, you know, I asked her a lot of questions. And one of the questions that I remember asking her was, you know, Oprah, what is it about you? Why are you so special? I mean, you've done this and I listed all these different things she's done. And I said, if you touch something, it turns to gold. What is it about you? And she said, you know, Tracy, she goes, I'm not special. And I was like, yeah, a lot of people would disagree. Yeah, (laughs) for sure. She goes, no, you know what? I'm not special. She said, the thing I do that other people do not do is I know my gifts. I know why I'm here. And I live in those gifts every day of my life. And she said, if you could figure out your gifts, if you can figure out why you're here, if you can figure out your purpose, the universe will respond. Welcome to the Good Life Coach Podcast. I am your host, Michelle Lamoureux. The intention of this show is to awaken you to your fullest potential. Join me each week for inspiring interviews to elevate an area of your life, as well as interviews with women entrepreneurs who are creating success on their own terms. Each episode provides actionable tips to guide you to design a life you love. Hey there, it's Michelle Lemereau, and welcome back to the Good Life Coach Podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about purpose and how to go for the impossible, those dreams that have been sitting in your heart, and maybe you're at a point where you knew what you were supposed to be doing and something happened and you actually don't, or maybe you've really just been unclear about what that path is, or you just haven't had the time or space to make yourself a priority enough to focus on it. So I'm so excited to have Tracy Mitchell joining us today. She's an Emmy award-winning journalist. And during her career, Tracy has covered presidents like George Bush, Bill Clinton, Barack Obama, and many world leaders. She's also conducted celebrity and lifestyle interviews with nationally known experts for the Emmy-nominated daytime show, My Generation. She also appeared as a principal actor on The House of Cards, And Tracy loves hearing a good story. She considers herself at the heart of it, a true storyteller and using those stories to uplift women and remind them of their power and their genius. And I'm so grateful to have you on today, Tracy, to talk about how we can do this and to dive into your book, Stirring the Pot, which takes a closer look at successful, accomplished women who are living their lives on purpose and what it takes to uncover your own. So welcome, Tracy. Thank you so much, Michelle. So happy you're here. Um, We were talking before the mics went on. Um, I think, you know, it's interesting because I do get pitches for people to guest on my show. And more often than not, I like to source the guest and it's not usually a fit. And when I read your book, bio and what you're all about. I was like, oh, this is like a soul sister, Tracy's mission, and we're doing it in slightly different ways, um, is very much aligned with the heart of the show. And I I love talking about purpose. I love helping empower women and have them think about what they really want because women too often are putting themselves last on their list. Right. Right. You know, I have to say, Michelle, you so I've done a lot of podcasts. I've done um, TV interviews. And this podcast, your podcast, this is the one that I was most excited about because I do feel like mm. we're aligned. And I and I truly do mean that. And I was, it, it was almost sort of this giddy nervousness getting ready to talk about this because you and I are so aligned in believing that women are truly amazing. So thank you. 
That means so much coming from you, Tracy. Thank you. That's really sweet to hear that. And I love talking about purpose. I mean, I just feel like you wrote something in the book and I'm going to, I'm going to believe, I'm going to read what it said. You said, I believe our lives are part of a grander plan. You ever wonder why you're amazing at some things and terrible at others? Why some things bring you incredible joy while others suck you down a dark hole? It's all part of a bigger plan. Your gifts were put in place long before you stepped foot on this earth. God, or if you prefer, the universe has big dreams for you. You just have to embrace them and live your mission. And I so believe that. We talk about those inner whispers and everything, but I think it's hard sometimes because especially, I'd say generally most women, but especially moms, I think we're I hate the word busy, but just have a lot going on and don't always prioritize ourselves. So I want to dig in deeper with, you know, a lot of the things that you shared in the book, but I think it's important to start with the title because you came up with a creative one, Stirring the Pot. Share what does that mean and what are you hoping that women walk away with from reading your book? Stirring the pot was one of those things that really resonated with me when I thought about it. I mean, you can imagine when you're trying to come up with a name for a book, it's like everyone's throwing different things at you and you're like, no, not that one. No, not that one. And someone said, well, you're, I'm from New Orleans, right? Uh, love good food. And they were like, what about stirring the pot? And at first I was like, then I was like, oh, because you know, stirring the pot kind of means you're starting trouble and you're, you know what I mean? (laughs) But this is like all good trouble if there's such a thing. And I think for me, it it resonated because it reminded me of the days when my mom um, was alive and I was a little girl and growing up in New Orleans, gumbo is like the same thing as like, I don't know, rice and gravy for people in New Orleans, right? You have gumbo all the time. It's like the Saturday meals, but gumbo takes hours to make, right? And you make your roux first, which is just oil and flour, and you're stirring that endlessly. Your arm is killing you by the time it turns to that dark chocolate color that you need, right? To give the richness of the gumbo. And then you throw in like seafood and sausage and all these different seasonings, onions and garlic and celery, and you're stirring and stirring. And then hours later, you finally get this wonderful meal. It smells so good. It tastes so good. And you eat bowls and bowls of it with rice. And it's like so comforting when it's over, right? So stirring the pot for me was sort of that process of making gumbo, right? You, it's a messy thing. It's a hard thing. You know, you, you trip up. Sometimes you get it wrong, but you got to add some more seasoning, some more spice. You got to keep working on it. And then you're stirring the pot, you're stirring the pot and you know, something good is going to come on the other side because you put so much work and effort into it. So that's how I look at women, right? We work so hard day in and day out. We're not rewarded for it, right? I always say that, and, and the men may kill me for this. My husband, he, we laugh about it. Women are so much smarter than men, right? We work mm-hmm. twice as hard as men. <laughs> we are not recognized like men. And sadly, we don't think that we are as worthy as men, right? We will always take that step back. We will always say, well, you know, he's smarter, but really? Is he really smarter? You know what I mean? It's that sort of thing. So that all came into mind as I was writing the book. 
It's such a beautiful metaphor too. You know, you're adding a little flower, you know, with our lives, we're trying a little of this, a little of that. We're going down this path, you know, and 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 mixing it up and seeing what ultimately will result yes. in this delicious meal. And then hopefully in our reality, you know, just a beautiful life that we love. And uh, I, lo- I love the name. I think it's great. And I think it's fun to have something a little bit, you know, that's like, wait, <laughs> stirring the pot? What do you mean? What are we going to do there. Um, Tracy, you had an awareness of purpose at a young age. And I know from one of my other guests, I think like 10 to 15% of people have that awareness at a young age and kind of are laser focused and they go towards that. Whereas I think the rest of us kind of just don't know. Um, Tell us how old were you when that there's a, there was like a career fair at your school and there was a TV journalist who you say, didn't represent you in terms of the way she looked and right in demographic and all of that, but she made such an impression that you geared like your career path based on that. So tell us how old you were and what was it about that experience that lit you up? Well, I was in sixth grade. So I was like about 11 years old. And, you know, every school would have those career days where people would come and, you know, the doctors. And it was usually someone's like cousin, mother, brother, sister, something. Yes. And um, I don't remember who's connection this was, but this anchor woman came in and, you know, normally, you know, I listened because, you know, I was just being kind to listen, but what she said and her words and the way she spoke and presented herself. I mean, I remember I just sat up and I was like, oh my goodness, I I just, I want to do that. And I just, I listened to every word she said. And I was the kid asking the questions. How do you, how do you, how do you get the job? You know what I mean? How do you know how to speak? And and where do you get your stories from? And I had all these questions. Mm-hmm. And I remember like leaving there going, that's what I'm going to do. That's what I'm going to do. And, you know, and I, I said to my mom and I told everyone I knew, and my mom was like, yeah, the beauty of my mom, she was like, whatever, no matter how outlandish it was, whatever I said, she's like, I know you're going to do that. And having someone at that age reinforce that for me and having my mother believe that I could do it just made it even stronger and more of a reality. And I believed with every ounce of my being, Michelle, that I would do that. And everything I did from that moment on. And this woman, she was a white female. She she was blonde. She was older. She There was nothing about her that looked like me, right? We didn't live in the same neighborhood. We didn't go to the same school. And at the time, I went to an all black school. There was one white child in my whole school and no other ethnicity. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it was all black. And then, you know, high school was predominantly white and there was only a few black people in the school. So it was it, the fact that she was there at that moment. And I think that happens for all of us, right? Mm-hmm. At that moment, at that time, our paths were supposed to cross. Mm-hmm. And, and she was an angel or whatever it was, the messenger for what I needed at that moment. Do you know what I mean? To set my journey on. So as you were speaking... I was thinking in my mind, she was a living, like I I call them living angels. Yeah, These people that like cross our paths and usually they don't stay long. It could be one interaction. Like it was in this where, you know, you just met her briefly and they can change the trajectory of your life or support you at a time that you need the support. And I call them living angels. So I think that's so cool that you just said that. I don't know why it brought tears to my eyes a little bit. Um, 
And I also just love the fact that you could have that focus at that age. And it makes me wonder, because you interviewed a lot of different women for the book. Are there common traits? Because I think a lot of us do have an awareness, but we don't always follow it. And especially, I think, at such a young age, why do you think you could, ha- why do you think you did have that focus at 11 and stayed on that? Something obviously lit up in you, something turned on. Right. I think, you know, it's it's one of those things where um, some people call it flow, right? When you, when you get that moment where you're like, you're giddy and you follow that path. I think what I have is, um, and a lot of people have this, but I think I have a focus, right? Mm. When I decide this is what I want, I stay with it. And as I've gotten older, I've been able to recognize it. Um, and it's an awareness. It's almost like, and this is going to sound so silly, Michelle, and I hate to even say it, but it's something as simple as when I go to the grocery store and, and I decided I've dedicated my whole life to listening to my inner voice and following that flow, right. And, yes. and being excited about things. I go to the grocery store, something as simple as I may look over at a vegetable and I go like papaya. I did it with papaya the other day. I look over at papaya and I'm like, huh. I need to get that papaya. I have no recipe. I have no plan. (laughs) I have no nothing, but something in me said, get the freaking papaya. You know what I mean? Like, and then I'll get home and uh, I, every single time I'll be on something and the recipe for like this papaya punch pops up and I'm like, Oh my God, that's what I'm going to use. And I have the papaya. I have the papaya. So it's just, it's, it's like that being aware, like when something just sparks your interest, if you just go with it, it, it's amazing where it will lead lead you. So when I was in sixth grade, I just, I, it stayed with me this, all this time it stayed with me when I applied for college. Um, and, And not only did it stay with me, but all of the doors started opening, right? Mm. I applied, I got a full ride to several colleges. Villanova was one of them. Um, It was a number of colleges and American University had the third best journalism school in the nation at that time. And I get a call from this student at American. It was like part of the call thing. Cause you know, back in the day, we did not have the internet so we can look things up. So I had a book. <laughs> so, you know, they had a call center and the student called me and she goes, hi, my name is Monique. I'm calling to see if you're going to select our school. You know, we sent the um, admissions out and we're talking and talking. And turns out that Monique grew up two blocks from where I was living, her best friend, she, she's from New Orleans. She, she was in journalism. She like, she could answer every question I had. We had mutual friends. We ended up staying together. We're best friends to this day Love it because she called me, you know what I mean? Like, what are the chances of the girl two blocks from me calling on a phone bank? So I chose American to go there because I knew that would launch my career. I love it. I'm still, I'm like getting goosebumps from like everything you're saying, because I think, I think sometimes we dismiss yes all of these little things. Like you said, the little voice that said, buy the papaya. And we second guess that this is going to be such maybe a silly example, but I was filling up my tank with gas two days ago. And I was like, I wonder if the gas could leak out of the tank. And I was like, why am I even thinking that that's so stupid? Well, I recently leased a car and wouldn't you know that yesterday in the mail, I got a recall notice where this particular car 
has this problem now where some of the tanks are overflowing. And leaking gas. And leaking gas. And I was like, oh, and you know what made me think of it was having read your book. I was like, oh, this is what Tracy's talking about. It's really these, it's like these little things that seem insignificant, but it's like pay attention either for, you know, maybe like pay attention warning signs, which we can talk about because you had that in the book that you talk about and we'll get into that. Or it's something that's like, wait, I feel lit up right now. This woman is speaking my language. I'm going to pay attention and not dismissing it and pursuing that. And then the other thing I want to highlight that you talked about was having the focus and the dedication and not being distracted by what, which is very easy to do, other people are saying and the other outside influences, right? Yes. Yes. So one of the people who, you know, I I always say I started writing this book a long time before I actually started writing this book. Mm -hmm. And one of the people who I had the pleasure of coming in contact with was Oprah Winfrey. And I remember um, I was working in Washington, D.C. as a Washington correspondent. And Oprah, the the bureau that I was working at closes on weekends. Oprah was going to be there over the weekend. So I go to my boss and I said, hey, if I can get an interview with Oprah, can you give me a photographer over the weekend? And she's like, you're never going to get an interview with Oprah. (laughs) But if I can, can I get a photographer? And she said, yes. So I worked at Michelle. I called I, literally everyone I knew in television, right? I just kept calling. I knew magazine editors. I knew all of these people. No one knew Oprah, but they would always send me to the next person. And I just kept calling and trying and trying. And I finally got Oprah's person. And she was like, what do you want to do? And I was like, well, this is what I want to do. You know, I don't need to sit down with her, but I just like maybe two or three minutes and trying to do the story. She's in town for this conference. It's kind of perfect. And they said, we'll call you back. So again, not expecting much, but I have done my homework. So they finally mm-hmm. called me back and they said, okay, Oprah has agreed to talk to you. And I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, she's going to talk to me. So I said, okay, great, great, great. So I could go to my boss and I say, hey, I need that photographer. She goes, you did not get Oprah. I said, no, she's going to talk to me. And, you know, I'm on the red, the red carpet. And I think it was like entertainment tonight and somebody else big and me. It was three of us. Are you kidding? There were just three. Oh yeah. It was just three of us. And I was the last one because I was the most insignificant, I guess, at that time. And, you know, the first person she gave like a quick interview to like truly like two questions. And the second guy, it was hilarious. It was a guy. And he asked her something silly, like, um, like, uh, Oprah, I mean, why are all these people here for you? And she looks over, right. It's Oprah. And she looks over at me and she goes, guys just don't get it, do they? They just don't even <laughs> understand. And I was like, okay, I love you even more right now. Like that was such a great message. So then she gave him like no time. And then she came to me, Michelle, and she talked to me for almost nine minutes, Wow, which I thought was amazing. And, you know, I asked her a lot of questions. And one of the questions that I remember asking her was, you know, Oprah, what is it about you? Why are you so special? I mean, you've done this and I listed all these different things she's done. And I said, if you touch something, it turns to gold. What is it about you? And she said, you know, Tracy, she goes, I'm not special. And I was like, yeah, a lot of people would disagree. Yeah, <laughs> so for goes, sure. She goes, no, you know what? I'm not special. She said, the thing I do that other people do not do is I know my gifts. I know why I'm here. And I live in those gifts every day of my life. And she said, if you could figure out your gifts, 
If you can figure out why you're here, if you can figure out your purpose, the universe will respond. Mm. And I said, oh my God, that's so hard to do though. She goes, but is it? It's really not that hard. And she went into this whole like, like, you know, it's your flow. Do the things that make you giddy, that make you happy. You're smiling and you don't even realize you're smiling when you're doing it. And I said, yeah, but she goes, but you know what? He goes, she goes, this is the best advice that I can give you. You got to stop listening to your husband, your brothers, your best friend, your cousins, your this, your that. All these people who are trying to tell you who you are. If you just sit back and figure it out on your own, get quiet, listen to your inner voice, figure out who you are and don't listen to all of the outside noise. Life will open up and change for you. Mm. And that for me, and it was, she was speaking obviously to so many people, but she was speaking to me and Michelle was on that day that I said, okay, I got to get out of my own head, right? I got to stop doubting myself. I got to stop being fearful. I have to stop comparing myself to everyone else. One of the things in television news that I, I found all the time, there's only one woman, right? It could be a whole desk of men. It's changing, but it's a slow change. Yes. And if you notice, it's only one woman, one black woman, one Asian woman, mm. one. It's it can only be one of us at a time. Wow. And so what it does, it, it breeds that um um like fighting, right? We're we're Competitiveness. battling each other. Competitiveness. Yeah. Like you start seeing each other as competition instead of sisterhood. Right. And yeah, so you're set me, up to not want to support. Yeah, exactly. We don't help each other. Yeah, we we just don't. So, and that was the other thing she was saying. Like, you gotta, you gotta be kind. You gotta help each other. You find yourself when you help each each other develop their own purpose. So again, that set me out on my motion, right? So, I want to help all women find yes. that purpose. Anybody who I touch, like you, I want people to know this message that it's possible. It really, truly is. Oh my goodness. I love that. And I loved what she shared. So it's interesting. So there's like a consistent theme. So the focus, the persistence, you got that interview and then the flow, like you said, once you were clear about the path you were going to go down, synchronicity started happening, meeting Monique, right? I mean, it's like, what are the odds of all of this stuff? But I've also experienced that. And I know that that's so true. And I also experienced the blocks and something you said that creates those blocks is I think it is when you start getting into your head, you start, you know, I, I I'm guilty or I, I'm doing this so much less now, but it's like you talked about the title of the book, you know, asking everyone their opinion. What do you think about the show? But I think, you know, at the heart of it, we know, and the more we outsource our truth, the less we can hear it. Right. Absolutely. You're absolutely right. I think that, I mean, I have doubts too. We all suffer from doubts, right? So one of the exercises I actually had a team of women do once, I said, um, tell me who you are. Who do you think you are, right? How do you define yourself? And we heard a lot of, oh, I, I'm a CEO. I'm a wife. I'm a, I'm a mother. I'm a, and it's almost like, mm, okay, I get the labels, the outside labels that we've all been given, right? Um, but who are you? Right? Mm. Are you um, are you a fighter? Are you a warrior? Are you like deep down inside? What are right. your core values? Mm. What makes you the person that you are? And it's funny because you know one of the women just broke down crying, and she was like, 
I think I've lost who I am. There you are. That's it. And I think a lot of the women listening are in that place. But I love that question. Tell me who you are. Tell me who you are. And that's something people can sit with today and like journal around and just see what comes up. And then what do they do with that, Tracy? What do they do? So if you're the warrior, you're the like, what what does that do for you? I think it helps identify. So for me, and um, I actually took it down for this one because I have a big board up with all of my core values. Mm -hmm. And I I wrote down who I am, right? So that I don't forget. And I keep it on this this colorful sheet of paper and I read it every single day Mm -hmm. just to remind me of who I am. Because uh, for me, I get, oh my God, I always tell people that I'm on a freight train that will not stop. That's that's me, right? I I cannot, I, I feel like I'm constantly going, going, going. And at the end of the day, I look back and I was like, did I do anything for me? Did I do anything that aligned with my core values, right? So there are a number of things you can do with it. You can use that list to get your next job, right? If you know that I'm a fighter, I'm a warrior, um, why are you sitting in an office by yourself with the door closed and nobody with nobody around you, right? Some people are just people, people. You know what I mean? They need to be around people. They give them energy. Some people are like, I don't want to talk to anybody. I'm an introvert. I'm a this, I'm a that. You know what I mean? So if you can identify who you are, it can help you get that next job. It could help you get unstuck. You can have, you know what I mean? We are all put in situations that we do not want to be in. And I always say one of my answers to people, because I know my core values, uh, when someone asks me to do something, I'm like, that does not align with my core values. (laughs) And that is my answer on a lot of things because I know who I am. And I'm not just saying it, it really does not align with my core values. And I I would say, you know, I'm happy to help you think it through. I'm happy happy to help you find someone else, but that's just not something that I I will find energy in. So I can't do that. I love that. That's so empowering. And do you feel that you know your gifts to what Oprah asked? Do you feel like you know your gift? I do. I do. But Michelle, I think they're always changing too, right? Mm. You may have, um, I have the gift of gab. Yeah. Storytelling. Well, storytelling too, right? I love storytelling. I could tell stories all day long in front of two people or 200,000 people. Um, I will get up on a stage and, you know, my kids are always like, don't you get nervous? And I was like, Oh God, no. Like I find such great energy and joy in that. You know what I mean? In that for me, I am in my flow. When I'm like up on a stage, when I'm talking to groups of people, I'm in my flow. I could do it all day long. And when I get paid, it's like, oh my God, you're paying me for this. You know what I mean? And that's bonus. Exactly. Um, so I mean, that's one of my gifts. I also have um I am incredible under pressure. Like I am, you want me to go into that dark alley with you. (laughs) You know what I mean? I'm like the one who is like, okay, how are we going to do this? Planning under pressure ideas. Like I can go on and on and on, but those are my gifts. Right. But I think they, I guess they're always the same gifts, but we use them differently. Yeah. How are you expressing those gifts? Right. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, that's very cool. Well, you've made some transitions, right? Because you, so you did the journalism you did the celebrity um, interview show, My Generation. Yes. Um, and do you want to share? I mean, there was, so you had a situation that made you decide to stay home that ultimately ended up getting you a gig on House of Cards, which yes. I also give you a lot of credit for. Um, 
having the courage. I, so I'm just going to start highlighting some of the words that are, you know, kind of ringing through between the focus, the persistence, the flow, knowing your gifts, the core values. And then this would be around, I would say, courage and, and resilience. Um, yes. Can you yes. talk about the story? What happened? Oh, absolutely. So this is one of those times when you get knocked back, right? When you're, when you're, things happen to you that you don't expect will happen to you. And I think we all have bad things happening to us. So I was um, uh, working as a correspondent in Washington, D.C., and um, I had my daughter and she was just a little baby. And I said, oh, my God, I don't know if I want to go back to work. And kudos to stay-at-home moms. I freaking love stay-at-home moms because that's a lot of work. I mean, it's a lot of work. And I, you know, I was home with my daughter. I had great time off. It was great, but I knew I needed to go back to work. That was just me. It's something that I wanted to do, but I struggled with what ha- would happen with her, right? Would she go to a daycare center? Cause she was only, I think at the time she was maybe eight months, seven, eight months. And I said, well, I don't really want that. And I said, well, maybe we can get a nanny. We had great luck with my son's nanny. So, you know, we, we talked to different people, talked to friends, got referrals, did these interviews, checked all of the references, did a background check. Like we were crazy diligent in making sure we crossed all of our T's and dotted all of our I's. And my husband at the time was, um, a prosecutor with the government. So he couldn't be at home, but we figured that I would switch and work the morning shift. So I would go in at two o'clock in the morning and work until nine. He didn't have to go to work until eight. So, you know, we were like, you know, the nanny could probably keep her for about mm, three, four hours so I can get a nap in because I was exhausted. And that's all that we needed, but we would pay her for 40 hours a week. That was the agreement that we made. And um, I was sitting at work in my my new job, and I got a um, a text message or a, a listserv message. Remember the listservs, and yes. it said something like, "I just had to get this off my heart. I witnessed something today that was absolutely horrible. I witnessed a nanny abusing a child, and she grabbed her by her neck, picked her up by her face." and just shoved her back in the stroller. And another time she left the child outside in the stroller while she went shopping in the store. And she said, I sat there with my mom and I just watched because I was so afraid someone was going to take this baby. And I don't know, Michelle, why, but I knew it was my child. Wow! Like I just, for some reason, I just knew it was my child. So I remember I called my husband and I said, do me a favor when the nanny gets there, take a picture of the nanny and Peyton, my daughter, um, and sent it to me. So he sends me the picture. I sent it to the woman who sent the email. And she, um, and I said, please call me if this is my child. And the phone rang. And it was my child. It was so horrible. And she like went into great detail about a a lot of other stuff. She like hit her when she started crying. She, you know what I mean? Like, and she's seven, eight months. She's like a little baby. And I just sat there and sobbed sobbed. And so, you know, we, we, I called the woman over to my house. She confronted the nanny. It was clear that it happened. It was really, it was this whole big ordeal and the cops got involved because it was on the listserv. And here's the funny thing. They were like, you need to press charges. And I said, I would love to, but the woman who alerted me to this said she did not, she had two young children herself. She didn't want to get pulled into a trial. And she said, Tracy, when I confronted the nanny, everyone kept saying to me, why are you bothering this woman? Why are you bothering this Oh my God, wait, 
they were protecting the the nanny that was abusing your baby yes because the nanny kept saying it's my baby and and my oh child my is my but baby. even if it was her baby it's still if probably that's exactly season. That's what insane. i said it's, but she said the hate in the community ganging up against her and people were yelling at her calling her names and she said i can't do that to my family and i fully understood and wow. i said you're fine we're not going to press charges so uh, but what I did was I found every listserv. I sent that picture to everybody. <laughs> I, I was like, do not hire this woman. She should yeah, not Yeah, you want to know she that should never touch sad. a child again. Yeah. But here's wow. the woman who referred her to me. Yes. Her daughter didn't walk until she was seven years old. No. Oh, I can't. No, Tracy, no. So I called every one of her references and every single one of them had a child with some sort of Physical, physical disability that could not be explained. Right. Oh gosh, she really needs to be processed. That's so scary because some she's obviously somehow you got references. You I saw read a book five references all saying yeah she's great. But you know what they said? Looking back, you got to listen sometimes, right? Yes, yes. What they said was, "My child is the most well-behaved child when she is around." Oh, that was the consistent feedback. That was the consistent feedback. Yeah. So until your child was afraid. So anyway, so that to me kind of changed the whole, like how I would operate. Well, one of the things from your book, Tracy, that I really walked away was that there were so many experiences where women in the book had experienced trauma, but yep. they had this incredible resilience and so much focus and success too. And so I think trauma can either drown us Oh, absolutely. If we allow it or we can find a way to navigate and then use it. And so here you are at home and you decide you're going to become an actress or what? (laughs) (laughs) Well, no. So I decided that. So one of the things I do, so a couple of things I do on a regular basis, I like to um, challenge myself, right? Yeah, (laughs) I like like to to stir stir the the pot. pot. Exactly. I like to stir the pot. And I always come up with something that is so outlandish and impossible. I want women to believe that the the impossible really is possible. So when you look at things, so I remember I said to my husband, because I was in TV news, I was in the after union, SAG and after, the after. Actors Union and the Broadcast Union join forces. Okay. So I get these emails all the time about, yeah. you know, casting calls and whatever. So I woke up one day and I said to my husband, look, I'm going to go on a casting call. He goes, you're going to do what? And I said, like, <laughs> going on a casting call. I said, it's my new challenge. I'm going to see if I can get on um, a TV show or a movie or something. He goes, do you even know what you're doing? I was like, no, no clue. No clue. So I go, it was in Virginia and I walk in and the woman said, well, what are you here to read for? And I said, I don't know. I said, but can I figure it out? She goes, yeah, yeah, the scripts are on the table. So I'm going through the scripts. I was like, homeless woman, firefighter, police officer. I was like, oh my God, I can't play. And then they had anchor woman. And I was like, oh, I can do that. I can Love do it. the anchor woman, right? So I read for totally. the anchor woman position. I know. And again, it's all in, in the flow, right? It's all 100%. aligned. Like, what are yes. the chances? So I go in there and I read and the guy was like, oh my God. That was incredible. And I was like, thank you. <laughs> so, and, you know, he's like, can you do uh, something political? And I was like, sure. What do you want to talk about? Can you talk about the current administration? Now, remember, my job was covering the White House and Capitol Hill. <laughs> so the fact that he would ask me to do a political thing, I was like, oh, I got that. Right. right. 
So I do this like ad lib political thing for like five minutes. And he was like, oh my God, that was incredible. And I was like, thank you. (laughs) Because I didn't know. Did Did they know? No, heck no. I was an actress. Like, I love that. Is, I, was I an love actress. this. Okay, great. Yes. So, and then, you know, I walked off and I told my husband, I said, I got the part. He goes, what did you get? I said, I don't know. They didn't tell me, but, and he goes, so they didn't tell you, you got the part, but you know, you got it. And I was like, oh, I feel it in my heart. I know I got the part. And he goes, so like a month goes by Michelle, nothing, no call, no nothing. And I was like, but I knew I had the part. I don't understand. And, um, Funny enough, I get a call and they said, can you shave your head? I think it was for the homeless woman. I was like, no, I cannot. And they said, well, can you be available the entire month of October? And I said, sure, I can do that. And they said, congratulations, you have a role on House of Cards. Because you don't know what you're going for until they you get it. Uh-huh. And so I was like, yeah. So I had my own trailer and everything. And it was like life-changing, right? It was phenomenal. Do you still want to add? No. No. But it was an amazing experience. Oh my God. It, so it was more of, I wanted to shake things up. When I start getting um, afraid to move forward, when I start having doubts and fears, I always find something that is just so ridiculously different from what I'm used to. And I go for that because what it does is it gets me excited again, right? It gets me excited about the unknown. It, it allows me to take that courageous step towards something that I've been dying to try because I just did that. You know what I mean? So I don't want to be an actress. I have no interest in it. But in that moment, when that casting notice popped up in my mailbox. I said, I need to do this. I, I need to it. put myself out there. And, I and you just did it and you got it, which is also yes. amazing. <laughs> I, I think it's such an important message. Another takeaway of taking that risk, or I think that if you get that inclination to take a class or try something, right. in my experience, you never regret it. And actually when I was 40, my daughter was about two years old. I went to the Connecticut School of Broadcasting like informational session and I had to, you know, read from the teleprompter and learn about the radio and all that stuff. And I was so lit up, Tracy. Yes. But the timing in my mind wasn't the right time. I wasn't ready to be away from her. And it's, I do regret it. I think I, whatever would have, doesn't mean I would have, uh, you know, gone into TV journalism. I don't know what I would have done with it. But also when I was little, you'll remember, cause we're probably around the same age. You remember, right, Merv Griffin? Right. <laughs> you remember Merv Griffin? Oh, absolutely. So when I was little, I always wanted to have my own show. And so why I'm sharing this is this like, so I didn't do the, the journalism course, but you can have your own show. You can launch the podcast, right? Like that's a risk. You can just do things that you feel are aligned with who you are, right? So there may be a missed opportunity. Maybe that was, or maybe that wasn't. In my heart, I know it would have been a phenomenal experience. (laughs) I could feel it, but that doesn't mean, you know, you can't go try something else or do what you did, which is literally just go show up for a casting call, do something that makes you uncomfortable. I mean, you gave, you moderated, not moderated, you keynoted a speech where Winnie Mandela uh, yes. was like the opening for you, right? Well, 
Yes. And I have to say, Michelle, I think you are doing exactly what you should be doing, right? Your podcast is your talk show. Your podcast is your journalism. Your podcast is your broadcast, right? Right. It's everything all wrapped up. It's just a different package. There you go. Right. Exactly. Um, There's the gifts and how you express them. Does it mean that one door shuts that all doors shut? Right. Go find another door, right? Absolutely. So the Winnie Mandela thing is kind of funny because I was asked to be, again, I was a political reporter and I worked for 46 different stations. So every morning I would be on all of those different stations. And one of them was in San Francisco. So, you know, people of San Francisco knew who I was and they invited me to do, to be the keynote for this political function they were having. And, um, in one of my moments of uh, doubt and fear and uh, yeah, it was just bad. I was like, I can't do this. I, I don't know why I, I, why would they ask me to do this? I'm not the person who needs to do this. Mm. Someone else should be giving the speech, someone with more experience. Maybe they should, do, you know, and I, I'm like, I said, yes, but every day I wanted to say no. Every day I beat myself up. Every day I doubted myself. Right. And I kept writing and I was like, I can do this, I guess. And I throw away the paper. And, you know, a couple of weeks before or about a week before it was really close to the event, I get a phone call and they said, oh, my God, we have amazing news. And I said, well, what's your news? And they said, Winnie Mandela is going to be at the event. And in my head, I'm thinking, oh, my God, Michelle, I don't have to do this. <laughs> I was like, I <laughs> hey, Winnie, great. Right. Yeah. And listen yeah. to yeah. what. This is like the best news ever. And I said to the woman, Lenise was her name. Never forget her name, Lenise. I said, Lenise, this is fantastic. So I don't have to do the keynote. She goes, oh, no, you're still doing the keynote. I said, wait, stop. Winnie Mandela is speaking at the event and I'm doing the keynote. And she goes, well, she has to leave. She can't stay the whole time. So she's going to speak right before you. And I'm thinking, who thought that was a good idea? So, you know, I, I write this speech. I get to the event. I I never get nervous, Michelle. I am like sweating through my clothes. I'm so nervous. It was horrible. My husband's there and he's like, you got to calm down. I was like, I, I, Winnie Mandela is speaking before me. You know what I mean? It's like, how am I supposed to calm down? And, you know, she gives this speech. She's fantastic. It is wonderful. And I'm crossing her, I'm going up to the podium as she's going back to her seat to grab her things and leave. And I said to her, okay, that was amazing. I don't know how I can be that. And she grabbed me by my shoulders and she looked at me dead in the eyes and she said, you don't have to beat me. You just need to tell your story. Hmm. And I was like, okay. Okay. You know what I mean? It was one of those things where it was such a good reminder for all of us that we're not competing. You can't compete to be me. I can't compete to be Michelle, right? I'm not. I'm Tracy. And I think that we all have to remember that, that if we can just tell our own stories, we can all be successful, right? We can all be successful in whatever success looks like. It doesn't look like the same thing for all of us, but whatever our success was meant to be, you just tell your story. And the beauty of it is somebody needs to hear it. There you go. And I think from everything that you shared today, there's going to be something that's going to resonate or it's going to hit to their core and their heart. Mm -hmm. And I find sometimes when you tear up, that's your soul remembering truth. And so my hope today is that, you know, someone listening, many of the people listening are going to, some light's going to go on and they're going to go, you know what? I can be courageous like Tracy. I can put myself, uh, put 
out of my comfort zone and take a risk and do something that's totally unexpected. And why not? Why not stir that pot and have a little bit of fun? Because I think what women are needing, especially I feel like the world right now is so chaotic. We need a little bit more fun. And if things are a little bit same old, same old, well, now's the time to like stir things up a bit and see what, what can come out. Um, There's so many things that I, I was thinking I wanted to ask and whatever. I think people should go read Stir the Pot. Oh, you're so sweet. Thank you. Get all the inspiration and the stories. I told you before we started recording, those stories stayed with me. There's just, you know, there's the experience with Oprah. People are going to, I love hearing her words of wisdom. And there's going to be people they've never heard of, just like with this podcast, like some of the, you know what I mean? But all of the stories, all of the experiences or an opportunity to walk away with something. So I am going to ask you just quickly about inner voice, because I think listening to that is so essential to getting on your path, to being in flow. What would you say to the women today about how to tune into that? Because we all hear it like a little bit differently, right? Yes. Um, I think I think for me and and for so many other people, a couple of things. Number one, um, I think we forget sometimes that the whole body is connected, right? Our physical, spiritual, mental, it's all one body, and you have to treat your body well for it to respond. So I I and I'm not perfect by any means, but um some of the things that I do, I go walking every morning. I mean, I was walking this morning, it's 46 degrees outside. So I bundled up and I go walking. The fresh air, the peace, the quiet, it clears my mind. It is amazing how many thoughts I have as I'm walking. And my mind is totally free and clear to dream, to think, to do all these different things, right? Uh, when I exercise, I just feel so I honestly feel like I can conquer the world, Michelle, when I exercise. And I don't do it all the time. I know I should, but I I do it at least three, four days a week, right? I should probably do it every day. I don't. Yeah, that's amazing. When uh, journaling, right? When I journal, I normally walk, I come back and I journal because I have all these great ideas and these thoughts flowing in my mind. And even if you don't walk, something as simple as taking a shower, it's you're just freeing your mind to think. Yes. And I think that's how you hear your voice. So meditation, exercise, uh, showers, anything. Some people do it when they're driving. That doesn't work for me. <laughs> but anything where you can just clear your mind and not have all of these thoughts, you can hear your inner voice. Mm-hmm. You really, truly can. I love I love everything you shared. And it's funny, I, I read that Sarah Blakely drives yes. before work. So she gets it. I'm the shower person. My ideas come in the shower (laughs) with the journaling. I I love that so much. Um, So what's next for you, Tracy? Do you want to tell Uh, us about disrupting the universe? Yes, yes, yes. I mean, Michelle, we talked about this when the mic was not on. We talked about how, you know, we want women to live their best lives, right? Believe that the impossible is possible. And I really want women to disrupt the universe, not in a bad way, but truly get unstuck, you know, find your own magic, go out and do that thing. Wouldn't it be amazing if we all loved each other, right? And we all loved ourselves, more importantly. And we got out there and we were all doing this like magical, amazing thing that we were meant to be and meant to do. And it would be so amazing. So I started this company called Disrupting the Universe. And my hope is that any woman that I come in contact with, that I touch, that I will inspire them to be the best version of the 
themselves, that authentic self, the person they were meant to be. Um, I'm going to be starting a podcast, still working on that. It's in progress. Um, I'm going to be doing workshops, um, working on that as well. Just trying to figure out I guess what my next move is, right? What where I'm being guided, what my journey is. And I hope that people will come on that journey with me. Absolutely. And where do we direct them? So where like where should people go look online to find you? So um Instagram, I am Tracy Mitchell, Tracy with an I. Um, the book is on Amazon. That's easy to find. Um, I'm also on Facebook, but I got to tell you, if you send me a message on Instagram, I'm going to reply on Instagram, Facebook, not so much. It's my fault. It's my, my problem, (laughs) but I'm still working on social media, but I think Instagram is the best place book on Amazon. And if for some reason you can't find the book, shoot me a message um, on Instagram and I'll figure it out. And I will link your website as well. Do you want to stay with the URL? What's the URL for your website? Um, uh, speakbeyondtm.com. Okay. So all of the show notes for today, including all the links to connect with Tracy will be at thegoodlifecoach.com. If something resonated with you, or you were thinking of a family member or friend, just share the interview because there's a reason their name popped in today. And I just want to share Tracy's message beyond, like I said, we're aligned in, uh, in the intention and, and um, our hope for everyone. And as Tracy and I were talking about also before the mics went on, we're also on the journey. There's no, nobody's like fully arrived ever, right? It's always a different iteration. You went from journalism, you did the acting gig, you know, you've, you're on this next mission. And I think that's what we're invited to be doing and to pay attention to the signposts along the way. So Tracy, so much gratitude for you. Um, you're just amazing. You're such a beautiful light and a beautiful being. I'm looking at your radiant skin. Um, <laughs> you said you drink your water. So everyone could drink your three bottles of water like Tracy so we can all have her gorgeous skin. And um, truly, though, thank you for sharing your heart and your mission. It's so important. And I'm so grateful to you. Okay. You're amazing, Michelle. Thank you so much. Such a pleasure. Thanks so much for tuning in today. I hope you gained some new information or inspiration for your life. That is that the essence of this show is to really wake up to what's possible for you to reclaim your beautiful voice and to really learn to love and prioritize yourself. So if you gained any value from any of the conversations you've tuned into, make sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast player. You can do that right now on your phone. And please do consider leaving a rating and review if you have yet to do so on Apple Podcasts. It's actually how more women can find the show. And I really want to grow a community of women who are loving themselves and living full on. So thank you as always for tuning in. And I look forward to reconnecting with you next Wednesday. Bye for now. Mm -hmm.